Let's look at God's Word together this morning. We look in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. It said, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell among the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believed for a while and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So as we take a look at Luke chapter 8 uh, this morning, Luke uh, chapter 8, I just have to say that you know, the obvious thing is that uh, most of us have got strengths and weaknesses, don't we? There's some parts of our life that are strong, and there's some parts of our life that are weaknesses. I, I spent some time this week trying to think what some of my strengths were, and, and I think that if I were to ask uh, the team that works with me every week what, what my greatest strength would be, it would be the knowledge of trivial information that nobody else cares about. I think that they would say that was my, that was my superpower. Uh, things that, that nobody else remembers, nobody else wants to remember, and nobody even wants to be reminded of it. But that's kind of what I bring to the table. And uh, so that, that's kind of my, my superpower. But, but we all have weaknesses as well. And uh, my weakness, uh, it, is a, it is a medical term, and the medical term is refrigerator blindness. Well, whatever I'm looking for in the refrigerator, I cannot see. Whatever Susan says, go get that in the refrigerator, I cannot find it. It may be sitting there. It may be the only thing in the refrigerator, but I cannot see it. I also have the, the, the corresponding illness called pantry blindness. I can't see anything in a pantry either. Uh, now, here's the thing, folks. <clears throat> with, with Susan being sick in these days, I've had to go to the grocery store a lot more. Do you know what a grocery store is? It's a 40,000 square foot refrigerator. 
I have spent one-third of my life the last couple of weeks walking up and down those aisles like a completely lost person, knowing that it's here, knowing that it's not far from here. You know that cream cheese is neither with the creams, nor with the cheeses, nor with the spreads, okay? I've checked, but I know it's in the store. I just can't find it. It's right here. It's close. I've probably passed it 11 times already. But I cannot see it. I know that I'm so close, but I cannot see it. What if the thing that you're looking for wasn't cream cheese? It's like in the refrigerator section in the middle of the store. I don't know what it's like next to the frozen pizzas and stuff like that. I don't know. What if it wasn't cream cheese that you were looking for? It was the secret to life. What if that was the thing that you were looking for and you were walking up and down the the, the aisles of life saying, what is the secret of life? And just having a sense, I know that it's close. I know that it's here. Other people have got stuff in their basket. Other people have figured it out. Where is the secret of life? How am I supposed to know this? Jesus says to the disciples, to you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. And the disciples are like, can you back up one more time? We missed it. The disciples are like, we don't get it. We don't understand. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus talks about the secrets of the kingdom of God. He talks about the secret of spiritual growth. Do you ever wonder why some people seem to get it and other people don't? You ever kind of just kind of watch people interact in some things spiritually and some people seem to like sprout up really quickly spiritually and then fizzle out? Other people last for a long time and you're like, what is the difference there? You ever wonder inside of your own life, why am I not growing as quickly and as strongly spiritually as I feel like I should be growing? Am I missing something? Jesus says to you, it's given the secrets of the kingdom of God. So let's unpack this together. The first thing that I think is important to notice in this passage of Scripture is that we have been given the secret of life. We have been given the secret of life. I won't say it again because that's kind of a headline, isn't it? We have been given the secret of life. You have been given the secret of life. The whole thing that holds the universe together, the wisdom that's needed for now and tomorrow and for all time has been given to you. You have access to it and you have access to it and you have access to it. I have access to it. It's amazing. You have been given the secret of life. In just a few moments, Jesus tells this story about the sower who sows the seed. And he says... That that seed is the Word. It's the Word of God. And in fact, this whole series of messages that we're looking at here in this middle section of the Gospel of Luke is the story of Jesus interacting with the people, and He teaches, and we see that at the beginning of Luke chapter 7, and we see it at the beginning of Luke chapter 8, we see it in the verses here that, that Jesus is walking about teaching people. And He says, you want to know what the secret of life is? It's the Word of God. 
And he is broadcasting it and spreading it and sharing it and giving it and proclaiming it and teaching it. And here is the word of God. In fact, it says at the end of verse Send in verse 8, he, he's speaking to the crowds. He says, he calls out, if anyone hears this, if anyone can hear this, listen to these words. It's an amazing thing that Jesus would be present and to walk amongst the people teaching truth. Now, we may be jealous of the people that got to stand there next to Jesus and hear him teach but you and I have something that those folks would be incredibly jealous of. And that is the Word of God from beginning to end captured in a book that we can study and have it right here on our hands. You and I live in a day and age when we can pull it up on our phones at any time. We can pull it up in eight different translations. We, we can try to remember, what was that verse that I, that I can't remember? And we just kind of search for it in Google, and boom, it's right there. The Word of God is the secret to life. It is the secret to spiritual growth. Jesus spoke it. We have it in front of us. And central to the life of this church is that we try to spend the center part of what we do studying and hearing and meditating, understanding and applying the Word of God. You have been given the secret of life. The very words of God have been delivered to you. Jesus looks the disciples in the eyes and says, to you has been given the secret of life. Man. We've got other things to talk about, but it just feels like that's so big that I don't want to rush past it. To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is chapter 8, verse 10. But there's a kind of odd thing that Jesus says right after this. He says, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. And then the, the next sentence says, or the rest of that sentence but to others, but to others, it has been given in parables. Okay, that's, that's kind of odd. And then Jesus explains why. He says, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You have the secrets of the kingdom of God. But some other folks... It's hidden in parables so they can see it but not see it, hear it and not understand. Like, man, I got the not understanding part down. What, what, what is he talking about here? How is Jesus saying, you have it, but not all of you? Now keep in mind, he is speaking these words to the crowds. Keep in mind at the end of verse 8, he calls out to the crowds, if anyone hears this, it's not exclusive. So who is it that he's talking about? It says, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I think we see three different kinds of people that miss the Word of God. The first group that is likely to miss the Word of God is people who just aren't interested. 
if we offer, hey, here's the word of God, people are like, eh, not so much. Here's the secret to life from the very creator of life. Uh, you see, the parables that Jesus is going to use have a time release factor to them. You hear it, and you kind of chew on it, and you think about it, and you wonder about it, and you explore it, and you study it. And as you meditate and consider it and wonder about it, it grows deep inside of us. But to an individual who isn't interesting, who approaches the Word of God with their arms crossed and rolls their eyes, they're not going to meditate. They're not going to think. This parable is going to run right past them. And so they're going to see it, but not see it. They're going to hear it, but not understand it. In the context of these chapters, we also see that there are people who are around Jesus who are leaning in and want to hear so much. <laughs> but there's also people who are leaning in with notebooks. Ooh, did you hear what he said? Ooh, I caught him. He, wrote, he said this. And they are listening so that they can disrupt the ministry of Jesus. They can interrupt the ministry of Jesus. They can trap Jesus with his words. So Jesus says, listen, there's some of you that this is going to go right past. Because your goal, your desire is to be in conflict with the word of God, not to receive the word of God. I think that Jesus would say, those folks that are coming to the Word of God to fight, <laughs> to interrupt, for conflict, man, you're not going to hear it. It's not going to connect with you because your heart is hard. And then I think that there's a third category. I think people who aren't interested, people who would rather be in conflict with the Word of God. And then I think that there's another category of People who are kind of interested, but they really don't want to change. So that you can hear the Word of God, you can hear the secret of life, the secrets of the kingdom of God, but yeah, I'm not really going to rearrange my life. Yeah, I kind of like the way things are right now. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. And so in a moment in which the Word of God would reveal something different than what I already believe or what I'm already convicted with or what I'm already comfortable with, like, yeah, I'm going to choose what I already have. I would say to you, if you come with disinterest, you come with a spirit of conflict, or you come with no interest in having your life transformed by the Word of God, it is quite likely that it will be hidden from you it will go around you. It will be obscured and you will miss it in part because your heart doesn't come to the Word open and ready to meditate and to receive it. We saw this in the last chapter. We keep going back to the story, but it's the story of the woman who comes and anoints Jesus' feet. It happens in Simon's house. Did you notice Simon? He was invited Jesus, but he kind of was making a list of things that Jesus might get wrong. He has in his head, aha, I caught Jesus doing this. If Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, this proves that he's not of God. It's a hard heart that's not interested in change and not interested in... So what does Jesus do? 
he teaches a parable. There was a moneylender who had two debtors, and he forgives both of them, one with a lot and one with a little. Which one loved most? It's a parable. Because of the hardness of Simon's heart, it's either going to go right past them or in a time release. Simon's going to begin to think about it and say, Ah, I hear it and I see it. But I would tell you that unless you cross your arms and say, No thanks, you have been given the secret of God through the Word of God. That's pretty awesome. I would also tell you that there are forces that are fighting to keep us in the dark. There are forces that are fighting to keep us in the dark. Now, Jesus tells the story about the, the, the farmer, the sower, who is spreading the seed. Uh, quick question, has anyone ever met an optimistic farmer? Anyone? Anyone? It's a trick question. They don't exist. There, there, there are no such things as optimistic farmers. When we lived in Eunice, we were literally surrounded by farms. You, you couldn't go any direction without driving through farms, and our church had farmers in them, and, and so it had a deep farm uh, culture. If it just rained, it was because the farmer would tell you that's too much rain. If it hadn't rained, well, we're not getting enough rain. If the temperature was cool, it's too cool. If the temperature was hot, it's too hot. Whatever it may be, there's something that is wrong. It's because growing stuff is hard. Growing stuff is hard. The only thing that I can grow is an appetite. Uh, growing is hard. There's always something that can go wrong. And so Jesus uses that reality where everybody had a neighbor who was a farmer. And he says, this reality of the kingdom of God, the secrets of the kingdom of God, it is present. But there are forces that are fighting to keep you in the dark. Now, I'm not going to go into all of this because Jesus is a better teacher than I am. And he says, this is what each one of these things mean. You can read it for yourself. He is going to teach it better than I can. Listen to Jesus. But I want to just kind of summarize some of these forces that fight against us. The first one is supernatural. It says, you know, the number one reason why people don't grow spiritually is because Satan is doing everything he can to keep the impact of the Word of God on that person's life. He talks about the seed that lands on the path that is the hard, beaten-down path. And because the path is beaten down, the seed lands there, and the seed does not break the soil, or at least it's delayed in breaking the soil. And while it's waiting to break the soil, the birds swoop in and take it away before the seed ever breaks the soil. I want you to know that every time that you put your life in the presence of the Word of God and the God of the Word. You are in the middle of spiritual warfare whether you like it or not. You are in the middle of spiritual combat because if you put your life in proximity to the truth of the Word of God, Satan immediately says, what can I do to keep that from breaking the soil of that person's heart? Immediately, spiritual warfare. There's all kinds of tug-of-war that happens in your life that's sometimes strange. I want you to know sometimes that's not just a weird day. That is supernatural antagonism to the Word of God having an impact 
on your life. But it also tells us that there are external forces that fight to keep us in the dark. Those external forces, it, it talks about the, the seed that begins to take root, but then it talks about the trials and difficulties and persecutions. Sometimes to be a follower of Jesus, to let his word impact our life, man, sometimes there are some external forces that, that fight against that. Sometimes it's people that you know, sometimes it's people that you love. Sometimes it's some of your friends uh, from your past that, 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 that have no interest in seeing your life transformed. And sometimes they can mock. Sometimes they can laugh. Sometimes you, you can be in a work situation where there is an expectation that you will not match your life to the things of God because there are shortcuts that they want you to take that you can't take. And sometimes there's pushback and cost to follow Jesus. And because of those external forces, sometimes a person backs up and says, you know what? I'm just going to go back to where I was before. Sometimes it's not even the hardship or, or, the, or the broken people of this world. Some of that external pushback can even come from other people who carry the name of Jesus. And sometimes they can even say to us, listen, it's okay to believe, but don't get carried away. Listen, just find a nice medium, just a nice medium way of living out your faith. Don't become extreme. Don't really let it reshape your life. Let's just do normal together. And that becomes a persecution that pushes back. It's an external force. And then Jesus talks about another type of, another type of force that wants to keep us in the dark, and that's an internal force. So you've got supernatural, you've got external, but then you have internal. It talks about the seed that begins to take root. In fact, it's starting to actually grow, and you can go out and you take a picture and you post it on Facebook. Look, it's growing! But then it begins to be choked out by weeds and thorns. And Jesus tells us that those weeds and thorns... It's not always the hard things of life. It's our worries. But it's also the pleasures of this world, the temptations of this world. You know, sometimes we can be just as much distracted from our spiritual life by success as we can by failure, by ease as much as we are by hardship. We have all kinds of things that we can do that keep us from the things of God. Things that we've worked hard to earn the ability to do. But the distractions of this life begin to eat away at my spiritual growth inside of me. So I want you to know that the kingdom of God, the secret of life is right here for you. But at the same time, there are forces that are arrayed against you. One more thing for us to think about is from this passage, I want you to know that you have the potential for incredible spiritual growth. You have the potential for incredible spiritual growth. I, I wanted to try to bring something in this morning um, to show you 
this growth. I, I wanted to bring in some seeds, but it was on one of the shelves that I couldn't see. So I, I couldn't, couldn't bring it in. Uh, but but, but I, I wanted to think about it some, some other ways. Uh, how many of you enjoyed a, a cup of coffee this morning? All right. Now imagine that you had 100 cups of coffee. Some of you will head to work tomorrow, and your commute's about seven and a half miles. Now imagine that commute was 750 miles. That's basically the distance from here to the other side of Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's just one way. That's okay. The speed limit is also 7,000 miles an hour as well. And if you have ways, you can probably squeeze out 8,000 miles an hour. Some of you may hit the gym, maybe even this afternoon, and uh, you'll, you'll spend some time at the gym, and uh, you'll be pleased to bench press 180 pounds. I think that's good. I think I hit 180 lifetime once. Um, 180 pounds. But now imagine being able to bench press 18,000 pounds. You see, Jesus says that the good soil, when the seed lands, it multiplies the yield by 100 times. That's what the farmer's interested in, is yield. If I put out this seed, what's coming back? 100 times. Not one cup of coffee, 100 cups of coffee. Not seven and a half miles, 750. Not 180 pounds, 18,000 pounds. You see, that's, that's the wonder, that's the mystery, that's the miracle of a seed. Packed inside of that seed is this incredible, mind-blowing potential. Think about the beautiful oaks on the backside of our property. Beautiful, luscious oaks. Every single one of those oaks came from a single tree. Now, I don't want the responsibility of packing that back up, taking that oak and squeezing it back into that seed, but that oak came from that seed. And it expands miraculously because packed inside of that seed is the miracle potential of a hundred times yield. Now, the reason that I say this is because this is what Jesus was getting at this whole time. Inside of you is this kind of spiritual potential. Inside of you is this potential for dramatic spiritual growth, vibrancy, aliveness, and power in your life. I think sometimes believers come to a place in which they give their life to Jesus and expect to get about 11% better in their life and just try to hold that for a while. Jesus says your life can be transformed the equivalent of a hundredfold. Not just little change, but huge change inside of your life. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your journey is, inside of you is packed this kind of potential that blows your mind of what you can do and be. 
So what does this mean for our lives today? Well, I have just a couple things, that are three words that I want to challenge you with. One, I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine what dramatic spiritual growth would look like in your life. For you to for you to be able to win a battle over some sin that's in your life. A battle that, that you've not been able to win for some time. That you are able to have faith in some places where you've never been able to have faith. There are some parts of your life that you've never really had transformed by Jesus. Some parts of your life that still kind of smell like the flesh instead of the spirit that still are tinged more by the world than they are by Jesus. What would it look like if your life grew so that you were spiritually alive and growing and not just barely holding on from one Sunday to the next? I want you to know that that potential through the Spirit of God working inside of you is present for every single one of you. And then secondly, I want you to imagine, and I want you to fight. I want you to fight. <laughs> I know you know how to fight. Now, sometimes we fight over different things, but I doubt that there's not been a person in the room here that didn't fight about something this week. You didn't have something that you put your foot down and stomped your foot and said, No! And pushed around on and said, no, I'm not taking this. I'm not doing this. I want you to use some of that pugilistic energy. And I want you to fight back those forces that are trying to keep you from growing spiritually. Whether they be supernatural. Whether they be external. Whether they be internal. Say, no. No, I know what you're doing. I know what this is, and I will not have my heart, my soul, my spirit, my growth quenched by Satan, by you, or even by me. I will not allow it. I will smell it, and I will fight it. Will you fight? And then I'd say to create. This passage is about the soil and I want you to know that if you will fight the supernatural, the external, the internal, it'll begin to change your soil and create that soil. But, but here's what, what I really like, is that I want the Spirit of God to be so much at work inside of you and that you are so yielded to the Spirit of God that standing next to you is one of the best places to spiritually grow that you're not part of one of those external forces. Satan isn't using you to hold back people spiritually. But you are so growing that a person who stands next to you can't help but grow a little bit as well. Whether it's been your family, in your workplace, in your Sunday school class, in your carpool, your class, whatever it may be. Spirit of God is moving inside of you. You have become good soil. And just standing next to you nudges people further in the kingdom of God.
Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, I do pray that you'd be with us, that we would imagine, that we would fight, and Lord, that we would create spiritual greenhouses where I grow and the people next to me grow as well. Lord, I don't know exactly how each person needs to respond. Lord, if they need to identify a thorn or a hard place, an opposition, Lord, I don't know what it may be. But Lord, I pray that your spirit, your word would be at work today. We pray it in your name. Amen. Colby and I are here. We'd love to pray for you today. Would you stand and would you respond?